The Journal presents the Good Information Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Good Information Podcast, a series where the Journal gets to grips with 15 major topics that our audience has told us are impacting their daily lives and focusing their minds on the future. I'm Susan Daly, Managing Editor of The Journal, where the Good Information Project has been giving readers the opportunity to engage directly with editors and journalists on these issues. With you, we've looked at their impact on Ireland and on our place in the wider EU. In this episode, we are asking, how do we get Irish and minority languages in general to thrive and not just survive? Could the state do more to support them? What can we learn about how other so-called minority languages in the EU are being protected? We'll answer these questions and more, but here's your take on how to pass the language to the next generation. We've sent my son to a Gwale School preschool in the hope of him getting into the local primary school. It's a good school, and this was a main reason for sending him. Also, we don't have a relationship with any other languages culturally, and learning a second language is good for kids' development. So speaking it daily can only be a good thing and bring him closer to Irish culture. Since going there, it's amazing what he's learned, but also amazing how much Irish we had stored away. For the first time, I'm enjoying speaking Irish, and I intend on keeping it up. If you can't practice it or use it, then you can't improve it. I don't have any close family members or friends that speak it, so for me, it's not useful and plays no part in my life. I speak other languages fluently and on a daily basis, so they will be prioritised. I will raise my daughter trilingual, but Irish won't be one of those languages. I would like it to be different, to keep the language alive, to not have it die off. But even if I did want to learn it, it would be difficult, unless a lot of things change. For example, subsidised language classes, TV series and music in Irish. Gwail talks are for teens. Where do adults go to learn the language without paying an arm and a leg? I had a terrible experience of trying to learn Irish in school and therefore I have very bug cupola focal. Um, we decided to send our daughter to Gale school because it's a good school and we felt that we'd be doing our bit to keep the language alive. She's now in Gale Kolashta and is hopefully heading to the Gaeltacht in the summer. I think that all our primary schools should be Gale Skullina. It'd make Irish a, a living language again. So what are the facts of the matter? Good Information Project producer Carl Kinsella is here to break down the stats on how strongly the Irish public feels about its native tongue and whether they're talking the talk. For this cycle, we wanted to know how people currently perceive the Irish language, whether it's important to them, whether they'd like to hear it spoken more often in daily life and speak it more themselves, whether they believe the government needs to take a more hands-on approach to get people speaking it. The Good Information Project, in conjunction with independent polling company Ireland Thinks, ran a poll in March 2022. What we discovered was broad support for more Irish to be spoken in daily life, with two-thirds saying they'd like to see most people using their cupola focal most days. 4% of our respondents say that they're fluent and speak Irish several times a week, which mirrors the most recently available census data. A further 13% claimed to be fluent, but said that they spoke Irish less often than that. An overwhelming majority, therefore, does not consider themselves to be fluent. 52% said they had some Irish, but not enough to understand radio or television broadcasts through Irish. 24% had just the cupola focal, and 7% had no Irish at all. 
for a total of 81%. Nevertheless, 63% said they would like to hear more Irish spoken in daily life and 85% said they felt it was important that the Irish language be promoted outside of Gaeltacht areas. The overall attitude towards Irish in public life was positive, but there were exceptions. Many respondents didn't agree with the government's stated intention to reserve 20% of public jobs for Irish speakers by 2030. The majority said that either this figure should be lower or that they simply weren't sure. Interestingly, this figure climbed the older the respondent. Younger Irish people are much more open to the idea of public jobs being held for people who speak Irish. One area of life where the Irish language is not exactly thriving is in broadcasting. 31% of respondents said that they never listen to Irish language TV or radio, and another third said that they only consume Irish language media a few times a year. It was a daily activity for just 5% of those who participated in the poll. Still, positivity around the language was seen throughout the poll. Support for Irish as the predominant language of the country was over 25% with people under the age of 34, whereas only 1 in 10 of those over 55 supported the idea, suggesting that there is greater intense enthusiasm for Anguelga among the younger cohort. Crucially, one third of respondents said that the Irish language was very important to their national identity, with a further 47% categorising it as either important or somewhat important, leaving just 18% of people who do not consider the language an important part of their identity. Thanks, Carl. Now let's get to some key questions around the protection of the Irish language. I'm joined by the journal reporter Ronan Duffy to discuss some of the things we learned about what's happening in the sphere and what should be happening. Welcome, Ronan. Hello. Tell me this. Our polling shows that Irish people do want to speak more Irish in their daily lives. What can be done to facilitate this? Like, what can we do ourselves? Well, I think what's what's really interesting when, when, when you talk to people who, who do speak Irish on a daily basis or speak Irish regularly as part of either their work or their socialising. I think what's important is that, you know, it has to be natural. And, you know, Irish at the end of the day is just a language. It's it's what facilitates you doing other things. It's not something that is is a goal in itself. I'm going to go out and speak some Irish. So it's about creating opportunities and allowing people to do the things they want to do, except do it through the Irish language. And and I think that's a lot of what we saw uh, through this module. And, you know, I spoke to people who were involved in perhaps, uh, for example, there's an Irish language uh, GAA team that started in Dublin Colony Greylogie a couple of years ago a couple of years ago and you know it's it's massively oversubscribed and these are just people who want to you know play GAA but they didn't know what club to go for and there's an Irish language um, place to do it and they went for it so so that's kind of an example of, of the things you know we can do in, in the Irish language but it's also about it being important that if people want to to engage with the state or they want to engage with services that the opportunities have to be there for them you know t- to to do it through Irish I mean I spoke to um, Michal Anulan he's the head of Balioch uh, Lea which is kind of a, um, a a group based in Dublin that's seeking to promote the language in, in Dublin and, and he was talking about it that they want to look at the at the language through a bit of a, a business eye so to give you know businesses the opportunity who want to provide services in Irish encourage them to have signage in Irish to let people know that that's available and it, it's kind of about doing those things that let people know that if you want to do something there's an opportunity for you to do it in Irish and, and that's what you know people should be encouraged to do And Ronan you mentioned the state and of course the state should have a big role what exactly are they doing? 
there's a lot going on. I mean, I, I think it, um, I, I focused a little bit on kind of the 20-year strategy that the government has in place for the Irish language. And, you know, it's worth noting that the 20-year strategy we're talking about is 2020 to 2010 to 2030. So, we're, you know, we're well over halfway through that strategy and people can judge whether or not it's been successful. But I think one of the, the main things that kind of um, they are doing and one of the main things that jumped out to me and also interesting was perhaps one of the things that through our polling people weren't as um, universally in favour of was by 2030 um, we were to have 20% of new recruits in the public service um, should speak Irish and you know that's that that's to encourage people to speak the language but it's also to embed people within the public service so that if somebody wants to you know get a passport through Irish or, or do those kind of things they have um, th- these people are, are in place to do that and that's kind of one of the main things that I think um, Irish speakers have have spoken about as being important because if, if they can't get the services they want from the state through Irish you know you, you don't feel that it's it's as relevant um, to your life and to, to your you know to your you know your existence as an Irish citizen I suppose. And one of the key obstacles in the way of a thriving Gael talked, and of course we're very lucky in Ireland to have these special regions where Irish language is, is meant to be, you know, the main language is thriving, but one of the key obstacles is housing. How is the housing crisis affecting Gael talk specifically, Roland? The, the housing crisis affects everybody, as we know, but there are kind of specific reasons why Gael talk areas, you know, might be affected by it. I mean, it's not a surprise for people to know that Gweltic areas are often in rural areas. So, you know, the, the actual supply of housing is not necessarily um, as great as it would be in other areas. I mean, it's not great in any area. Supply is an issue. So particularly in those areas, we have a problem. And so if people want to move there, you know, for, for, for job reasons or for they want to speak more Irish, you know, they're probably going to be renting. That's kind of an issue. Um, we spoke to one family as part of um, the project. It was um, the Kelly family and they moved to Inishman and as kind of the husband had got a job as like in the local development group. Um, they wor- li- worked, lived there for a while, but they were renting. And the house they were renting on Inishman was kind of used as a holiday rental for, for a few months during the summer. They had to move out into a smaller house and this, this kind of wasn't ideal. They had to be moving between houses. So they wanted to stay there. They couldn't get permission to, to build a house, you know, because as you can imagine, Inishman is quite strict on these kind of things. And they had to move to elsewhere in Connemara. And that's an example of something that's happening around Greltic areas. It's something we, we heard a lot during our, our live event at how, how planning is a large, big obstacle for people who want, you know, perhaps to build on their own land in Greltic areas or, or who even are considering buying in the area, if if the planning isn't if the, if the planning isn't forthcoming, you know, it kind of puts a bit of a hard stop on things. And the problem with the planning process is that you know nationally there's a bit of a move away from once-off housing. You know, we've all seen the kind of housing pros and programs they're talking about. You know, the, the old bungalows that are built that are built in the you know the neighbour mile down the road, and that's not what we want. But that's kind of difficult if that kind of one-off housing isn't allowed in Grailtick areas because it, it, it restricts kind of the ability um, of, of people to, to kind of regenerate those areas by moving into them. And equally, I think one of the, the, the twin problems with that is the housing that is allowed perhaps is, you know, maybe in small estates and those kind of developments. And if you have that kind of influx into a state, all those people might speak Irish and that can also di- dilute the, the community nature of the Grailtick. 
So not ring fencing housing um, for Irish speakers is obviously something that needs to be worked on and there's no clear solution on that yet. Saying that, this did seem to be one of the more hopeful cycles of, of or topics that we worked on on the Good Information Project, for example, the uh, Irish is now officially as the start of this year to, um, an, an official language of the EU, which is amazing. Um, what are the reasons that you think though for optimism with regards to Anguilgar? I feel for me that one of the major reasons for optimism is is people's attitude towards the language and we 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 saw that in the polling that was that was mentioned earlier have 63 percent of people want more irish in their daily life and you know particularly interesting was the feelings of younger people towards the language you know about 58 percent of people said that they felt that irish was either important or very important to their identity when you go to 18 to 34 year olds that increased to 75 percent had a strong association between the language and their identity so you know as kind of generations move on, there seems to be a, a you know there seems to be a growth in 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 how people feel towards the language and the optimism they have. So I think that that's one of the main reasons to be hopeful. You, you mentioned there that you know the Irish becoming an, an official EU language from January. You know that in itself op, op gives you know job opportunities for people who who would seek to 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 have the Irish language and who want to work in translation services or other things. And you know, I, I also was speaking uh, um, to people who were involved in um, in business groups. What was a business group that was set up a couple of years ago called Borough, and it's an association of people who work and live in Dublin, and they don't necessarily work through the Irish language. They work through some you know multinationals here who I was talking to, but they all speak Irish, and they use it as a way to one practice their Irish, but also two to make different kind of business connections. And there. There are things that are happening amongst people, you know, that's it's something that happens naturally and people are doing it off their own bat. And that's kind of a reason why, you know, if you have the Irish language, there absolutely are opportunities for people to use. And I think that's something that's that was very clear. I mean, uh, we spoke to Paula Melvin, who was um, who's now president of Cunnagwelga. You know, she wasn't a native Irish speaker herself was um, growing up and that's something she's taken up and now she, you know, it's one of the most important things in her life. I also spoke to Alan Esselmont, who's uh, Director General of TG Cahar. He also wasn't a, he's from Scotland and he isn't a native Irish speaker either. So there, there are a lot of opportunities for people to speak Irish and I think it can often be intimidating for people to, to try and put themselves into that community as they feel. But, you know, they're just two examples of people who, who did that and, and I now feel it's one of the most important parts of their life. And the younger generation, we had a lot of interesting people who have big names on social media that we may not have heard of before. We had one of these, I will only call him a star because the amount of times he was stopped in the street in uh, on Dangan in Kuntikiri, where we had our regional event, uh, Shane Hulawan, the Kerry Cowboy, uh, if you want to look him up. He was talking to us about the connections across social media for young people, Osquilga, and it's a very organic thing. One of the things that, that is specific to social media is that you can very clearly self-identify yourself as an Irish speaker. You know, whereas previously people might walk around with a fania to, to let people know that they speak Irish. You can literally say on uh, on your Twitter bio or whatever to Gaelga Agum or you can even just tweet Osgaelga and it lets people know that, that that's what you're interested in and you can I, I, I spoke to people who, who felt that social media was very important for them because they can really have be part of kind of this hyper community and, and it makes it very easy to, to connect with people in that way and I think that's an opportunity that social media uh, presents to people and it also kind of allows you to kind of 
present your identity in a certain way. I mean, you're somebody who Irish is important to you. You're going to speak Irish and you show people that online. And that's, I think, people these days don't necessarily, you know, show who they are through their politics and that kind of thing. And social media is an opportunity for you to show that in just a very visible and easy way. Garmagat Ronan. We'll give the last word to Dr. Theresa Lynn, who advised our Open Newsroom webinar on how legislators might be well advised to look at not just increasing the number of speakers of a minority language, but also increasing the opportunities to speak that language in daily life. There's so many different realms of what the government's doing and how much money you know, they, they give to the Department of the Gaeltacht, how that's dispersed and who decides on what's, where the money is spent. Um, and for a long time, I suppose increasing the number of speakers has been a huge focus, be that in you know, language classes, supporting language um, translation, training programs, and so on. Um, there's sometimes maybe too much of a focus on that, just this increase in number of speakers without looking at the whole infrastructure to see where do these Irish speakers then live in a society where Irish is normalised and part of their life. And so Ronan touched on that, is that the public services need to improve so that people can conduct their lives. If they've gone to the effort of wanting to speak Irish as their main language, they want, they can conduct their lives um, in their own language as part of their language right. And that should be the case. They should be able to choose that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Information Podcast. Today's episode was edited and produced by Adrian Carty with research by Carl Kinsler and additional journalism from the Good Information Project team. Go to thejournal.ie to find out more about the entire Good Information Project and email us at goodinformation@thejournal.ie with your feedback and questions. If you want to hear more episodes in this series, find us at the Good Information Podcast on the Journal app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Good Information Project is co-funded by Journal Media and a grant programme from the European Parliament.